Hello everybody, welcome to this Media Voices Conversations episode. I'm your host, Chris Sutcliffe. This episode, we're going to be talking about repurposing content for audio and rethinking podcast discovery. So for publishers with a very well-established content workflow, adding podcasts can seem like a daunting task, but the reality is that you already have what you need to create that great podcast and to get it in front of your audience. So I'm joined by Eurosports' Odd Barron and Sarah Toprof's Podinstall, and we're going to be talking about how you turn evergreen content into audio, not just for your own website, but to bring that podcast discovery home. So to begin with then, I wondered if we could get you to introduce yourselves and your expertise to the audience. So Sarah, who are you and what does your company do? I'm Sarah Toprof. I am the publisher manager uh, for Podinstall, which is the flagship technology for the French audio hub, uh, Bam. We have a, a web-based podcast player that lets you put your audio productions front and center and pilot your episodes, your own website via search engines, via news aggregators, um, and trying to, yeah, bring audio much closer to audiences or specific publishers. Very nice. And Aud, I know that most people will have heard of Eurosport, but why don't you take us through what you do there? So, hello, uh, I'm the editor-in-chief of Eurosport France. Um, so, I mostly t- in charge of the content on digital platforms. And uh, since uh, one year, I'm also in charge of, uh, let's say, the adaptation of the content on all the platforms that could be both digital, but also linear. Nice. That's a huge remit. And I suppose it talks. It speaks to what we're going to be talking about today, which is turning that evergreen content into something which is suitable and successful in audio form. Um, As we mentioned in that introduction, a lot of publishers have what they already need when it comes to repurposing that content and creating this great suite of audio and podcasts. But I wonder if you could begin by taking us through an example of what Eurosport is doing around that so the audience can really get an idea of what we're talking about. Yeah, so actually for, for uh, our podcast, Eurosport is a, is a broadcast company. So for us, it was quite a challenge to produce some podcast. You know, what kind of podcast should we publish mm-hmm. and how are we going to build the, the audience? So the very first podcast we created, it was Great Stories. And actually, I just had a, a discussion. It was quite funny, uh, the, the genesis of this podcast, because I had a, a discussion with the CEO of Bababam, Pierre Orlac. And we were just, you know, wondering what can we do together? We had no idea what kind of podcast we could launch. We just knew that we wanted to work together. Mm. And I just knew that I wanted to launch a podcast. <laughs> and and uh, and to me, the challenge is so to adapt the content on various platforms because we already produce a lot of content at that period. So we were at that time at the beginning of 2019 and we were producing many written and video content. So... Mm. To me, the challenge was, is it possible to adapt into a podcast uh, uh, content that we already produce? And we had, at that period, a great format. It's a written format that that is named Grand Récit. So you can translate it into great stories. Mm. And basically, it's super long forms that uh, you can read within 20 to 30 minutes. And... It's a top top writer's journalist who tells you the stories of, it's not only sports, but it's mostly the human behind the performance. Mm. Um, and so with Pierre, we decided that it could be great uh, to adapt it into a podcast with a super simple, just a voice, a little work of the sound. And uh, two months later, it was on our platforms. Nice, fantastic. And I, it's interesting that you talk about the human aspect of it. 
because one of the things that the podcasting format is so good at is really getting across that humanity behind those stories. So was that something that you really focused on when you were turning that kind of that, that long form so, content into audio? What we wanted to do is to have an evergreen content uh, so that because we are a news media and we mm. knew that uh, on the audio platform, you have a greater chance to reach uh, a large audience if it's evergreen. And actually those great stories, Grand Récit, it was a, a great format and you can read it or listen to it, you know, whenever you want. It, uh, so for us, it's really interesting, both on an authority, but also on a sponsor, on a business point of view, because we widen the audience. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I know that having spoken to a lot of podcast producers at publishers in the UK, that reaching those new audiences is something that's very, very key to them when they're actually considering launching a podcast. Because as you mentioned, the audience for one form of content isn't necessarily the audience for the next form of content. So to what extent are you expecting that audience will change for the new for the new show? What we saw is especially on Twitter and Facebook, you know, because it's where we have the, the most commentaries, uh, we could see that the audience was super qualified. And what was great also is that it's, um, uh, how long does it last? It lasts 20 to 30 minutes and the completion rate is really good. So, you know, for us, the, the quality uh, of the of the audience and the quality of the feedbacks of our uh, users were super important. Mm. What Ord's talking about there speaks to that hunger that a lot of publishers have to create great audio content. So what, in your experience, has been some of those, those challenges that publishers have faced in actually getting that audio content up and out? Um, I think that especially online media needs to be um, ROI focused. Mm. Those monetization strategies exist and have existed for a really long time for text and video. You know, it's really um, natural for uh, publishers to be able to um, monetize their, you know, their video content and their article pages through display, um, et cetera. But for audio, I think that the, the wish to be able to, to produce that is there. I think the journalistic creativity is there. Um, but the monetization um, and the the audience model isn't necessarily super clear to everyone um, yeah. when when they're when they're looking to start out. No, definitely, and it's I suppose that speaks to the 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 relative nascence of the format. Uh, but at the same time, the 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 landscape of podcasting has changed so rapidly over the last couple of years. There are so many different monetization tools that are available now. So to what extent is it almost an experiment still for publishers looking to get into this space? Um, I think, yeah, I think we're, we, we're past the experimentation phase uh, and getting into the professionalization phase. Mm. Um, you know, you see that from the advertiser side where I think more and more often podcasting is part of any good media plan. Yeah. Um, not as much as it should be, but um, it's building and it's building pretty rapidly. No, definitely. And like so we do, well, we just did our awards last week and we were amazed by the the depth of the commercial strategies that many of the the winners actually had in place. It's it's been astonishing actually to see how fast the the landscape has evolved. Exactly. Yeah, but I think um so what we say um at Pod Install and what we try to, you know, we try to practice what we preach is that, you know, your biggest potential growth platform for your podcast audience, it's not Apple, it's not Spotify it's google chrome mm. it's it's firefox your own your own online platforms because if you look at sort of the history and the structure of the internet it was first optimized for text 
then yeah. optimize for image. And nowhere did sort of audio find its place online. You know, you see it in the in the structure of like every web page where, you know, you have you have images and you have text. But, mm. you know, just the fact that most videos play uh, on mute by default, it proves that the web is not an audio first medium. And so, yeah, that, no, definitely. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're trying to change. Um, and with pod install, it, it, it allows you to create, um, your own online audio first, mobile first space for listening. So, um, maybe you can, uh, you can speak to how you're piloting your, your shows through your own, um, through your own website. Yeah, so actually for for us, um, the challenge was to build the audience. And uh, uh, as I said at the beginning, uh, the the heart of our business is video. So we really know how to build a, a community for video and text. But we had no idea of how, it, how it's working on audio platforms. And on the other side, uh, we have a website, uh, which is super powerful because uh, Eurosport.fr, it's the second sport website in France. Mm. Um, so we knew that we had the power to a uh, power to use it, but the question mark was how. Knowing that um, to plug some pod- some podcast on the website, it requires product development, so it it takes time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that period, so uh, eighteen months eighteen months ago, it was not possible to to develop a special web page. So when I was talking about Podinstall. To me, it was just a great solution because it was pretty easy, pretty easy to plug with our website, and it was offering our user a great uh, just audio experience from a web page. So they didn't need to go on the uh, let's say on, on the audio platform as a, a Spotify, Deezer, and so on. Um, so from now on, what we do is that we have several, uh, let's say, categories of podcasts. We have mm. the podcasts that are directly connected to the news. And we call them vodcast because, in fact, it's a video show and we extract uh, the, the, the audio. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these podcasts are super powerful thanks to Podinstall uh, on, directly on the website because it's about news. Uh, and then the second category is all the evergreen content and it's more interviews, discussions with athletes. And those ones, they have bet- they are better performance than the others on the audio platforms. Mm. I'd say it's around 10 to uh, no, let, let's say 10 to 20 percent of uh, the traffic comes from Podinstall, and the other the other traffic is from the audio platform. Whereas if you compare all our podcasts, so the news podcast, here it's the reverse. 80 to 90 percent of the traffic is from Podinstall and mm. our website. I think that's really really interesting, and I suppose it speaks to this idea that you can own your own content much more freely and much you know more effectively if you do have it on the site itself it sort of gets around that discovery issue that we've seen with a lot of uh, publisher own podcasts where yeah, exactly. it exists sep- it exists separately yeah and to me it's really an issue of balance and uh, mm. when i uh, when i built the catalog of podcasts i really try to understand you know um which community can i build and where and how mm. um so, for example, when I buy the new podcast uh, we bought, uh, it was existing podcast because those podcasts, they already had an existing communities on the audio platforms. Whereas when we create our own podcast, 
because our DNA is hard news, because our DNA is, you know, to work on a daily basis, then we create uh, some news podcasts. And I would say the Grand Récit, the first one we created, is, is a little bit the exception. Uh, mm. But the production of this content is really excellent. Uh, so it's not as the others. The others, you know what, you just listen to them once and that's it. Whereas the Grand Récit, you know, it's a little bit like a, a jewel. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I'm, I'm curious then, before we get into discussions around, you know, the platforms and the benefits of owning your own podcast audio so so specifically i'm curious about what the actual practical considerations that go into turning one piece of content into a piece of audio content are you're talking about there about the sort of the vodcasts and it sounds like that's almost a straight port across of the audio but for those longer form pieces what considerations go into how they are presented and what differentiates them from the text other than you know the fact that it's a different medium i would say it's the emotion you know, the, the emotion and the close link you can have, you know, with, with your user. Um, and I would also say that to me, it's a, it's really an experience. When, when you read, you know, it's a, I wouldn't say it's cold, but there is kind of a distance between you and the content. Whereas with the audio, you know, with, uh, with your helmet, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's mm. super, it, it, you're in the intimacy of your user. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose it it speaks to that one to one relationship that people have with their podcasts. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. And when we also decided, you know, to to be on podcast, it's also because um, what we knew is that the uh, the completion rate of a podcast is, if you compare, better than the the time spent on the content on a website. Mm. So the, the, the aim, because uh, Sarah talked at the beginning of our, uh, our discussion of the RI, and this is my obsession. Why mm. do we do this? What do we earn? So when I build some content uh, or when I, when I initiate something, I always have in mind the why. It could be business. Mm. It could be, uh, when I say business, it could be sponsor. It could be audience or it could be notoriety. Or it could be because our model is also subscriptions to, to your spot. So if you take one of these four reasons, you know, this is relevant to make this content. And for the podcast, we know that uh, today it's a little bit expensive for us uh, as a production, but the sponsorship, the, the sponsorship potential is huge mm. because the brand, they know that, you know, they, they are super happy Um to, to sponsor content that are such great quality and because they are also have the guarantee that the user will stay pretty long on the content. Yeah, so I think when um, when publishers uh, are looking to distribute audio via their, their own website, the thing that you see all the time is putting an embedded podcast player into an article page. Mm. So going to your CMS, creating an article page and then putting like an iframe in where you can push play um and those pages are great to read um <laughs> but they're not great for listening um and so i think you know on the best day of your life you'll get maybe 15 percent of folks that mm. will actually listen via via those um those article pages with the with a podcast embed what we're working on is to really put the user in an audio first environment and um, Eurosport does this really well because what you do is you sort of pilot 
these um, episode URLs. So it's a unique episode uh, URL mm. that's automatically created as soon as you upload an episode into your hosting platform. What you do is you can you can put it on your homepage. Um, I think Eurosport has a specificity of being really really strong um, via the homepage. Yeah, you can you can go to Eurosport dot uh, fr and you have articles you have videos and you have podcasts and they're all sort of presented on the same level they're not just like oh podcasts are over here for those people that are podcast people you know it's content yeah um what happens when you click on one of those podcast links from the homepage is that you're in an app-like environment and you know you're you're already in in this sort of audio first universe instead of being distracted by text and display ads it has it has really good conversion rates um, from page visits to listens. Um, you're not going to get the same uh, type of engagement on the podcast apps because people are going to the podcast apps to listen. Yeah. So obviously, you're going to get listen. You're going to get listens via the, via those apps at a much higher rate. But when someone's coming through your Twitter, uh, through your homepage via a news aggregator, um, and they're not necessarily there to listen. Yeah. With these optimized pages, we see conversion rates of 45, 50% um, that, or yeah. more. Wow, that's amazing. And I was, it's, it's strange that I'd almost never considered the fact that, you know, embedding using an iframe can, can almost be considered interruptive. It's, it's a, you know, a secondary activity and it's not necessarily the one that people have come to the page for. Yeah, for me, for me that, that, that usage is saying we have a podcast. Mm. But it's not, you're not, you're, you don't, no one's going to click and listen. <laughs> no, definitely um, not. And if you have, if you have an ad um, <laughs> in that pre-roll spot, I mean, you want them to click. Yeah, definitely. That, I mean, that becomes revenue for you. Regarding the ROI, uh, we have two main directions for the, for the uh, monetization. So either the sponsor or the ads. And uh, for the sponsor, it's not super easy because uh, our sales teams are used to sell some uh, uh, ads for video or written content and not audio. So for them, it's pretty new uh, because it's a new way of working with uh, also new brands. All the mm. brands are not ready to sponsor some uh, some podcast, but it's uh, it's improving and uh, we, we'll have soon some sponsor on six episodes. So we are super happy uh, about it. Yeah. Um, and the other way is, of course, the ads. And for us, what was super important is to have some ads because we need some money. <laughs> it's uh, basic. Um, but we also need uh, to cherish the user experience. We need this all the more as um, the core of our, of our business content is subscription for the for uh, our rights on television. And to me, you can you, you subscribe to a uh, to a provider if like i say if you like it if you love it because you know there is like a uh, there is a close link w when you when you pay mm. um, so if you want to be appreciated by you, by your user by your user sorry um, you need to respect them and to offer them you know a nice user experience with ads but it should not be, you know, uh, it, 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 it should not um, uh, harm your, your content. Mm. Uh, so uh, this is also why we are working with a platform, Acast, and Bababam really help us for this, uh, just to, to, in, to, to put some ads, but at the right moment of the podcast. For example, today, we don't have some ads as a, as a pre-roll. Mm. We wait, you know, at least two or three minutes 
because as a payroll for us, you know, it's a it's a bit hard for the for you for the user. Yeah, no, definitely, it it can be almost too uh, too much of an impediment right at the start to really exactly. get over. So I suppose then the the question is, we we've, we've mentioned it slightly before in terms of the podcast platforms. Is there now a danger that platforms like Spotify, like Apple, like you know iTunes, and even to some extent Google, is there a danger that they are taking some of the value away from publishers' own podcasts and audio content because they really do take the focus away, they take the attention away from those publisher-owned and operated you know assets like the website? So, Sarah, what's been the sort of the, the development of that over the course of the last couple of years? Yeah, so I mean, I think that our focus is empowering publishers to really seriously consider their own platforms as um, as listening platforms. But like Ud said, I mean, um, it's it's really about a balance. Like so for these for these sort of evergreen shows, we're looking at around 20 percent of listens um, on their own website, which honestly is, you know, much bigger compared to a lot of other podcasts. Um, and that's sort of on the lower end when you're looking at more day-to-day news, you know, football results, um, you know, post-game analysis type mm. shows, uh, you're looking at 70 to 80% the audience that is coming from their website. So I think it has to be a balance um, and it has to be adapted to the format, but it's definitely, it shouldn't be neglected, basically. Like, I think that publishers need to realize that um, they don't only have to rely on third-party platforms, but it's it's part of the mix. It's definitely part of the mix. And I think odd, uh, like you you spoke you spoke to this really well. Is that you know you, the the strategy, the distribution strategy has to match the format. And yeah, that you and to can't... Me, it's mostly an issue of balance um, yeah. because we cannot depend only on the audio platforms, mm. but we cannot depend only on the web pages. And uh, I'm super happy uh, with Spot and Style, but you know, to me, it would not be a good signal if most of our uh, traffic w- was coming from Spot and Style, because uh, if the web, uh, if the web pages, you know, in I don't know, in uh, some months or years, decrease, what happens to our users? You know, to me, it, rem- it reminds me the debate uh, with uh, b- between Google and social platforms like two or three years ago, um, to your, uh, until. I would say uh, 2016 or 17, you know, the, the, the source of traffic from uh, social platforms was super powerful. Mm. And then it decreased and it was super violent because the social platform changed the algorithm and the rules. Yeah. So if you were depending on those platforms, your audience, you know, just crashed. So that, this is also why... Um, when we decide what kind of podcast we are going to produce or to buy, uh, it's really important to to have a clear vision of the structure of the community. And this is why uh, today, um, either we create our own podcast and they depend on the news because this is our DNA, yeah. or we will acquire new podcasts, but uh, I, I mean outsourced podcasts, but I will not acquire a podcast. I will not purchase a podcast that doesn't already have a community because yeah. that will bring me the guarantee that they are strong on the audio platform so that it's complementary with our podcasts that are more, let's say, web pages podcast. Mm, I think that's so interesting, the idea that you can build up that suite of podcasts with different distribution strategies. 
it's not something that I've seen a lot of from publishers in the UK either. They typically go all in on one, you know, either on the audio platforms or having them all on site. And as you mentioned, that just seems to be a recipe for, well, for, for not as much success as you could get otherwise. Yeah, and you know what? I think it's also, uh, to me, it's all, at the very beginning, we had a constraint. And, you know, mm. when you have a constraint, either you, you stop or, you know, you try to be creative and find a solution. And the constraint um, was we don't know the podcast universe. We don't mm. know how to build a community and we don't have the connection with the platforms. When we started podcast, I had no connection with uh, iTunes, Spotify, and so. Yeah. So you you just wonder how do we do, and you just need to find another solution. And you say, okay, so this is a constraint. I I have no connection with the audio world, but I have one strength. We are strong on let's say on the on the websites and the and native apps. Mm. So from this point, uh, let's try to find a solution. And actually, I, I say this, but. Uh, uh, it, it was a, a great momentum because at exactly the same period, Bababam arrived and said, you know what, we have a solution and it could be great. So, you know, it, it was just all aligned. Yeah, I think I think speaking to that, just generally, your presence on, um, on, on podcasting apps, I think is more, um, you know, looking to build new audiences uh, to 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 get people that aren't familiar with your brand but want to hear a great story mm-hmm. um and you know yeah bringing in bringing in younger audiences uh, more diverse audiences and i think that um having a great platform strategy is really important um for that but um you already have a really loyal audience as well um that is engaging with your brand um via different audience uh points of contact so uh social media um website etc and it's also i think that the being using pod install or and making you know making your own platforms uh an important part of your distribution mix is also making sure that you're turning your audience into your listeners Mm, no definitely I think that that speaks to something which we've seen in other mediums as well. Is the idea that if you do publish on a on a third party platform, you do get some element of brand erasure. Mm, and, exactly. You know, it, it's less the case for podcasting because obviously it's a very human one to one connection between host and audience. But does this then mean that say say you know a tool like Pod Install means that you can actually have some of your you can make it much more your own in terms of branding beyond just having one little icon or logo on there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Um you, you know, I say you're on pod install, but you're really on your own website. It's Mm. these pages, um, they're progressive web apps. They live in a subdomain of your, uh, your main site and, you know, they're, they're white label. Mm. Um, you go on Eurosports, uh, space, which I think we can probably link to in the episode description, but you are, you feel like you're within Eurosports universe. You have your fonts, um, you have your your logo, your colors, your the the header links right back to the homepage. Um, and what's interesting, I think, for publishers uh, is that you know if you get someone to listen to your website, say on Spotify, or sorry, to listen to your podcast on Spotify, um, you know they might really love that show, and you know six months later they might. <laughs> they might find out they might never find out that you have another show that they mm. might like because you don't know you know you're there with all of your competitors 
Um, and you don't know, you don't, you don't really have that much, um, brand control and consistency, but, um, you know, in, in, in using your own, own website as a, as a listening tool, you know, you have all of your shows in one place. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose to some extent then that, that, that does benefit those publishers that already have a direct one-to-one relationship with their, with their audiences. Well, definitely. But I would say that um, it's not a guarantee for the success of a podcast. Yeah. Uh, I just give you one example. We launched a podcast and, you know, you always learn, you know, from it's not a failure, but it wasn't a great success. Mm-hmm. And actually, this podcast, it was in between Evergreen and News. Mm. So when I say it was in between, it was because it was interview with athletes, uh, but uh, there were former athletes, and I think the angle was not, you know, uh, was not good enough. So um, as most things that are in between, the audience was in between, and for us it was very difficult to distribute it. But we realized it just, you know, once it was already produced. Um, because uh, on the website, you know, we couldn't uh, put it on on a, a high on the homepage. And as said Sarah, uh, uh, for us, the podcast has written or video content. is are all at the same level. It's just a great content. Mm-hmm. Whether it is written, audio or graphics or whatever you want, we don't make any difference. So um, this is also why it's super important to to identify what works on which platforms. Mm, definitely. And, and sort of what extent do you look at, you know, which KPIs, which metrics do you look at then to determine what is a successful podcast, either on those platforms or on the site? So uh, I have, uh, well, the first one is just, you know, the number of listeners. So that's uh, uh, super important, but also the completion rate. Because mm. if uh, the podcast is not listened to, well, first, we will question the production. You know, why isn't it so interesting? And also, because on a, a notoriety, you know, when I when I was telling you uh, that um, for me, there were some criteria, very important criteria for the ROI. So for the notoriety and for the sponsorship, uh, the, the competition rate is super important because uh, we have some sponsors sometimes at the end of the podcast. Mm. So we need to bring, we need to guarantee the, the brand that the podcast will be listened to until the end. Um, and also for the notoriety, you know, we just want the people to remember, wow, that's a great podcast and yeah. it was on your spot. We want, <laughs> the, we want them to remember the, the, the podcast. Yeah, no, definitely. And that, that's the case, that's the case for, you know, Media Voice as well. We want that people to remember that we want that notoriety as well. So Sarah, I wondered if there was, you know, something that or just touched on there is this idea that the, the metrics are changing. And, it, you know, the, the measure of what is a successful podcast isn't just how many people started to listen to an episode now. How much more granular can we be in terms of actually measuring what is a successful podcast now than we could a couple of years ago? And do you think people are much more sophisticated in how they're using those tools? Um, I mean, so for like, you know, we have, we have a back office in which you can, um, you can access your completion rates. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, again, it has to be format specific. Um, you know, if, if someone, if there's an hour long podcast and someone listens to 12 minutes of it, um, 12 minutes spent with your brand is still huge, even yeah, though definitely. the completion rate in itself isn't you know, compared to the, 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 the whole length of the episode. But, you know, if you, if you compare that to time spent on page, 
um, for an article or a video format, it's just like exponentially longer. Oh, yeah, so yeah, so I think I mean audio is a huge opportunity to build this brand awareness, um, to you know build really this this sort of one on one relationship between um, you know your your journalists um, and the people that are you know have you know giving your content life and and your audience who who live for your content <laughs> mm, definitely uh just before i ask the i've got a final question in mind but before i ask that is there anything you feel like i've missed or that you'd like to talk about whether that's for you know something you're doing at your sport or pod install um i did i wanted to um touch on because we didn't really talk too much on um the launching of new formats for eurosport so once you had um this great stories format. Um, then you started to launch um, podcasts that were taken from uh, these video shows. And oh, I wanted to, I mean, you had a couple good an- anecdotes about how that came to be um, for like the, the Facebook live with stream team. Do you remember? <laughs> um, well, we stopped the Facebook live or maybe I can say the evolution of the distribution. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah okay. Um yeah, so re- regarding the distribution of uh, of our shows, uh, we had different phases. At the very beginning, when we started to create them, when was it three years ago? Uh, our shows, so it they were video shows, only video, and they were on the one side uh, live broadcasted on Facebook, and mm-hmm. then we had some clips on the website. And Facebook, uh, well, the audience of Facebook has changed because of the algorithm, mm-hmm. and we, the audience on the live were not that good. So, you know, we just question ourselves, uh, what do we earn and what is the aim of uh, distributing the show on Facebook? So, and when the podcast, uh, let's say when the podcast wave arrived and we wanted, you know, to, to be uh, to be on it. Um, so we, we realized that there was a great opportunity and it was pretty, I would not say, I would not say it's cheap, but uh, the cost was, you know, quite interesting, quite optimized. And so we decided to to broadcast the whole show mm. on podcast, on YouTube, and the clips on the website so that you have different content on different platforms. And why do we do this? Because we are a news website. And uh, on, on our website, you know, you're not on your spot that far to watch a one-hour video. Yeah. You're on your spot that far for a two to five minute video, maybe 10, but this is a maximum. Uh, whereas on a podcast, you know, this is optimized for a one hour listening. So, and this is how we de- we decided, you know, at first, you know, we just tested and the results were super efficient. At the very beginning, the show performed on podcast. No, definitely. That's fan- that is fascinating as well, this idea that you can actually tailor audio content in a way that you couldn't necessarily do for other formats. And yeah. have it live wherever. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I think you mentioned that the idea came when when someone said, "Well, I, you know, I love your I love your Facebook Live show, but I just, you know, I put it on in the car." Oh yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, actually, so the idea to to publish our show on a on a podcast. So it's because uh, my boss at that period, Pierre Olivier Boucher, um, he, he he told me, you know, I love the stream team. So the stream team is our weekly football show, um, but I don't have time to watch it. Mm. I just listened to it in my car. And to me, it was so he, he suggested me, you should publish them in a podcast. And yeah. to me, it was quite a challenge because, you know, it, it was a video show. So I thought it was kind, kind of visual because we show some graphics, not too many, but some graphics. So I just made a test 
And I said, okay, so I'm going to, to only to listen to the show. And actually, we it was okay. And we adapted it a little bit, but not that much. And now the journalists, they know that when they show something, they also need to describe it a little bit. So it's mm. not that difficult, but uh, we earn a lot. And also the difference of distribution is a great opportunity for sponsorship. Because uh, when you want to monetize your content, you don't say to the brand, I have the same content on all platforms. You sell different content on different platforms. And for example, we have a, a tennis podcast uh, that has been uh, sponsored. And there is one brand on Facebook and the other one on the podcast. Mm. And that will be exactly the same content. We will just add uh, a little jingle, you know, for the for the podcast version. Nice, fantastic. It's it's additive to the existing suite of what you do as well. That's fantastic. I'm really glad. Uh, I'm really glad you flagged that up, Sarah. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> good. Um, I also I wanted to mention that um, we work on an additional line of revenue for publishers that is um, complementary to you know whatever audio ads, whatever sponsorship mm. you might have that's within the episode. You know, going back to this idea of those article pages for for podcast distribution, you know, we were working with publishers who were saying, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to lose my display revenue. Mm. Um, I need to publish these pages because it doesn't matter if anyone listens, I need my display revenue because <laughs> those are the models that, you know, that exist and that are working. And, yeah, exactly. you know, every um, publisher is conscious of their <laughs> revenues. So, and then you sort of, at the same time, you have this issue of there is an explosion. I know it's the case in France and it's it's also the case in the UK. Every brand has a podcast, you know? Mm. Before it was like every brand has a blog. Now you also have to have a podcast. So insurance companies, universities, even like city Everything. city halls, like yeah. they, they all have this audio content, except if you think it's hard to distribute your podcast via third-party platforms as a media professional, as a brand that's not that's not a media house, it's nearly impossible. Yeah. So what we've done is that we have um, a, a native ad placement within these article pages that um, publishers can choose to activate but to be able to generate um, listenership for branded podcasts that will have um, a connection with their content. Again, like Odd was speaking to the, the, the fact that um, you need to be, you know, your your listeners are are precious, and you need to, um, you know, keep that trust. Yeah. Um, in terms of having something that's going to be relevant and not going to be intrusive. So what it is is it, you know, in in sort of the up next section after after the the current episode that you're listening to, you can choose to have a sponsored slot that features a branded podcast, and then. It's a revenue share model uh, currently where um, the publisher can, can make money from that spot. And then the, the brand is happy because they've found a way to distribute um, their branded podcast. So um, to give an example, like Bababam, we have a podcast that uh, does really well um, in terms of because it's it, so it's about um, like corporate social responsibility. Yeah. Um, so it's not a huge audience, but it's an extremely qualified audience, right? 
you know, we get brands that want to advertise on that podcast um, that are talking about like smart cities and evolutions of urbanization and stuff like that. So it's going to be it's going to be contextual um, and it's going to be audio. And it's a and, you know, it's a great opportunity for for brands to get, you know, to get ears on their content that are going to be engaged. And um, and we've had really good completion rates for those as well. And so as a final question, I know that the investment in audio content and audio distribution is increasing year on year. I just wondered, is, is there anything that particularly excites you about the future of podcasting? Is it that relationship you can build with a new audience? Is it that ability to generate additional revenue? If we could begin with you, Ward, what's the thing that most excites you about podcasting over the next couple of years? To me, um, yeah, there are uh, many challenges for the future. So the very first one is monetization. Because uh, if you want to produce a good podcast, uh, it's an investment. And for us, especially, you know, when you're, when you're not a native audio media, it's super challenging, but it's super interesting, interesting. And we see that the brands, you know, are getting more and more mature and are very interested by the podcast. And they're interested because it allows them to reach a younger audience. And this is my second point, is that thanks to the podcast, we can reach a new audience and it's really, you know, beneficial for our notoriety because it allows us, thanks to the green content, thanks to not the performance, but the human stories we are telling within the sports universe, it allows us to reach, you know, an audience that is not super fan, but that is interested in sport without being, you know, already super connected with other sports media. And I would say the third one is the optimization of the production. Uh, how can you optimize the cost of production? So you can do it either locally, uh, as I said previously with the vodcast, you know, the vodcast when you have a, a video show and a, 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 an audio version, this is super interesting. And the other one is also, um, uh, we are a pan-euro network. How do you transfer your production in other countries mm. so it can be either you know a uh, translation of the content or and we are going to do it uh, for uh, an olympic series so the grand récit the great story are going to be translated in uh, i think it's five or six countries nice, um, or you can try to also adapt locally uh, the production of your content. And for example, uh, Podinstall, it was uh, at the beginning in France, and now the UK and Italy are going to, to work with Podinstall. So this is, you know, really optimization of the, of the cost of the production and how can you adapt it locally. So to me, it's super interesting. Mm. Well, it's really fascinating as well. I love that internationalization angle. And Sarah, what would be some of the things that you're most excited about? I mean, besides the obvious as, um, you know, the opening, the open web as your, as your uh, biggest growth opportunity in terms of listening, um, something I'm really excited about in podcasting is, um, is the opportunity to connect to local communities. So I Mm. think, um, you know, we're seeing more and more news deserts um, with a lot of sort of local news uh, shuttering over the past, you know, 25 years. It's just just kind of getting worse. But podcasting is a really great opportunity to speak to communities. And these communities can be geographical. And, um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of really great examples of people talking to their town or their city and doing stuff that's really, really relevant um, on a local level. And I think with the... um, 
the constant improvement in ad tech being able to you know go down to your like local car dealership and sell them an ad spot that's going to be you know reach that relevant audience um i think that's only going to help grow this this use um and then something else that i find really exciting but just sort of kind of on a more geeky level is um you know voice assistant technology and making audio more interactive i think right now we are really at like an embryonic state <laughs> for that mm. but as um you know the audio web gets better indexed i think those uses um are going to become a lot better a lot less um you know only available in american english <laughs> um but no i'm really excited for 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 what can be possible once you know we make the audio web voice searchable nice yeah that's going to be a huge transition Something that I think everybody who's listening is going to look forward to as well, because that could that could potentially change the face of podcasting entirely. Mm. Well, thank you so much to Sarah and to Ward for joining us today for that in-depth look at what can be done for, well, I suppose to protect the podcasting format, to really ensure that it's valuable, that it's as accessible as possible, and more importantly, that it's delivering value back to publishers. Yeah. So thank you both very much. Thank you very much. Thanks, Chris.